Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Quiet trade deadline. The quietest. Not too much happened. No, not nothing at all, really. Evan, you took the day from home, so that means you probably had a lot of time to yourself. Yeah, yeah. There was a... Uh... I, I would be lying to say I didn't have my headphones on listening to the trade deadline. Brad, you were uh, driving back um, from the Detroit area, so you weren't stressed at all about missing anything. Cause it was all really quiet. Yes. How upset are you right now? You've had a whirlwind of a 24 hours. I am so tired, and I emotionally, I am broken. Your Your personal life, your personal past 24 hours reflects directly onto what has happened with the detroit red wings within the past eight hours yes now i have to buy an oilers jersey apparently <laughs> are you gonna get the third of course yeah well uh I, it, just a coincidence he took number 28 there just saying that's my hockey number uh out in milvey coincidence that's an awful number sorry did you just say milvey sounds better than milverton milverton sounds so what it is small town Ontario. <laughs> it's hard to say the t when you've got a mouthful of dip yeah. and a bud light and no teeth <laughs> yeah uh crazy 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 day uh across hockey across the nhl uh four red wings fans oh boy is this a fan base divided right now yep there's been um I don't want to say this is the worst, not the worst. I don't want to say this is the most polarized the fan base has been because it wasn't too long ago that um Ken Holland was still the GM of this team, and there's obviously people of differing opinions on that front. And, you know, the fan base still argues about things like Jeff Blashill and who should be on what line and whatever. But after today's trades, hoy! Today is the most polarized and divided Red Wings fan base since the draft. Since the draft. Definitely. Uh, this is going to be a doozy of an episode um on twitter today i think brad you said you ha- thought you had 2000 notifications i guarantee you it's it was more than that i wouldn't be surprised if it was um I, like if i had closed twitter down for four minutes and open it back up it was just the 20 plus every time so fair warning to uh, all of you that i ignored in my mentions today i, I literally couldn't i'm sorry it's because brad thinks he's way cooler than you now because uh he uh, met his daughter's best friend andreas athanasiu so that was cool that was cool. I didn't even care about me, man. It is, I got to say, it is so much more fun living through your children's moments in situations like this than it ever would have been for yourself as a kid. Isn't it, Evan? As a grown adult, I don't really care to meet other grown adults that I once idolized. Oh, but I think that's a point Brad's making. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're, yeah, you're watching cool. the magic from the sidelines now. They, <laughs> for context, uh, for those of you who haven't followed along on, on Twitter, uh, Brad uh, took his family down to uh, Oh, Detroit. I got I to give the full story because it was a roller coaster, buddy. Let's let's do an intro first. I'm going to do an okay. intro and an overview and then you get into it. Yeah. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. This is the post-trade deadline recap episode. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Mika's dad. I'm Mika's friend, Evan. <laughs> uh, chock full of things to talk about today. Uh, the trade deadline, we're going to talk about Detroit's trade. Trades, uh, Mike Green, Andreas Athens, see you. Uh, talk about their pickup. Uh, Timashaw from Toronto and some other things. Uh, the trade deadline league-wide. And then if we have uh, time, we might cover one or two more things before heading over to overtime. Uh, but preceding all of that, 
a whirlwind of a story. Brad, take it away. This I can't believe I actually just said that because as if you ever need a prompt. This was like chaos. So uh, as part of Mika's Cri- Mika and Crystal's Christmas gift, uh, they were doing a weekend in Detroit, which included this Wings game against Calgary because it coincided in the same weekend that my wife was going to the Garth Brooks concert in Detroit. So like perfect one weekend easy. Uh, we obviously got nervous when we realized when the trade deadline was because Mika was only going to the Red Wings game for one reason. She wanted to see Athanasiu because anybody who's following us on Twitter knows her obsession with Andreas Athanasiu. We don't know why she picked him out of all Red Wings. She picked the most complicated name, which is adorable for a three-year-old to say, although she nails it better than most announcers. The anti-Mickey Redmond. Yep. So we're going down to this game. She wants to make a sign for him because she doesn't want to puck. All she wants is him to wave at her in warm-ups. That's all she wanted. Like every other kid's holding up a puck. Give me a puck. She's just like. Kids these days. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That was a classic kid voice right there. Right. Mika just wanted to make a sign. I'm your biggest fan. Yada, yada, yada. And then hopefully Athenasi would notice it. But we didn't want to make the sign because we were pretty sure he wasn't. He wasn't going to be. Just left the name spot blank. (laughs) Yeah. We, We were pretty sure. He wasn't going to be playing in this game, but we didn't know for sure. So we're like, okay, we are going to wait until they post the lineup in the afternoon. Because they usually post for seven o'clock game. They'll usually post at three, four in the afternoon. That gives us enough time to make up a sign. So we see the roster come out and he's on it on the second line with Philip and, and uh, we're like, okay, all right, we're good. We can, we can do this. So Crystal quickly whips up a sign for Mika, yada, yada, yada. We're good. We go to the game. We get there early. And this is why I was so angry when it happened. <laughs> angry is a word (laughs) we get there early because we know how that glass fills up and she's not going to get a space because she's like a foot and a half tall so we get there like over 30 minutes before warm-up she gets a good spot sign up on the glass it's good no updates i'm checking twitter i see nothing so when they come out for warm-up i'm expecting to see the full damn team they come out they do a couple laps i'm like i don't see them Crystal's like, I don't see him either. I'm like, what the hell? So I open up Twitter. <laughs> Literally, when I open up Twitter, you know how it shows a timestamp? 52 seconds ago, Anzar Khan, Athanasiu is not playing for asset management reasons. I'm like, like, part of me is like, I'm angry, but it's like, how do I legitimately tell my three-year-old daughter who's been waiting all day? Life comes at you fast, Mika. Welcome yeah. to the real oh world. Oh my yeah. God. I'm like, I... We have to tell her he's not here. Like we knew she was gonna, he was probably going to be traded. So like we were bracing for that. But like she's here in the building. Tr- like as I'm reading this, she's looking out on the ice trying to see him. Like, oh my God. I had already posted the picture on Twitter of her holding her side because it was so goddamn cute. Nothing. Because uh, a small aside, the disappointment there aside, it is so much more fun. Like I said, like going to a game with the family and just taking it in from her fan perspective than it is when we go to cover the team. This is just like, takes me back. It's so much more fun. You but it anyway. would have been way better off having a dumb kid. Cause you could have just told a dumb kid that Christopher N was Andreas Athanasiu and she would have been happy. All we all would have been better. Or Robbie for Fabry. Yeah. Something like, you know, there's a lot of eyebrows on the team that you could have picked from. She thought Madison Bowie was him for a couple laps. Miko. Oh, geez. Hey, I don't know what they do it in Milvey, but that ain't it. Oh, yeah, just saying it was, yeah, we had to explain it to her. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, but then we get the Mika's a toddler before you guys at, no, she's three years old. Anyway. So, um, we we're like, we don't know what to do. So she's just sitting there waving at the players at this point. We're like, look, cause she's kind of like, like she gravitates towards Bertuzzi and Larkin a bit. I'm like, look, there they are wave. 
And um, so we go back to our seats, whatever. And um, nothing happens. We watch the first period, terrible period of hockey, but Mika seems to be enjoying herself, whatever. Then just before first intermission, I get a notification on my phone. Uh, you have a Facebook messenger request. I'm like, what the f- I don't use Facebook. Who the what hell is, is this? Facebook you speak of. Are you kidding me? He sees a Facebook messenger request instantly, and yet we have to tag him in the group chat to get him to answer? Listen, man, nothing was <laughs> happening in the first period of that game. I had all the time in the world. He's provisioned us to one response a day on Messenger. Evan and I have to like use our messages sparingly because <laughs> yeah. I don't use Facebook or Messenger for anything other than this podcast. But anyways, and then I'm like, I open it up and it's, it's from, I won't say her name out of privacy, but the last name's Athanasiu. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, okay. So I opened it up and I'm like, hey, what's up? Because I don't know what to say, right? And then I don't get a response for like 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, whatever. Maybe it was a mistake. And then so we're just going around in the team store to make the whole conversation a little shorter. At the end of it, it's like, hey, uh, what section are you guys in? We're like, you know, 116. She's like, is that Portal 13? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, I'll be right there. And me and Crystal leave the team store and we're standing there and we're like, okay, this is no, we don't see anybody. This might be a troll or something. I don't know, whatever. Who cares? We're already here. You get shivved. Yeah. And then uh, all of a sudden I see uh, a couple of uh, women walking up to us and they're like, are you Mika? And I'm like, and you're like, no, I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> but no, but then, so yeah, they introduce herself and it's Andreas Athanasiu's sister and mom. Oh, and, her mom. You, we, we chatted with her mom too before. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, Okay, and like I still don't know what's We're going on. They your just child. <laughs> they, they literally just told them to meet there. I don't at this point know what's going on. I have a strong guess that they're going to do something for, her, but I don't know. Nothing gets no. past our Brad. Yeah. No, <laughs> amazing detective. <laughs> detective Pikachu has nothing on me. But um, so. Uh, we're just kind of talking for a bit, and the mom goes, "Is this the girl from the video?" Because they remembered her from the video back in November, and. Um, yeah, we had a laugh. So they start telling us the backstory. Like, Andreas is here. He's leaving soon. But um, if you guys want to come down, she can, can meet him. He wants to meet her. And I'm like, I look at Mika. Mika, the kid who never shuts up any point in her life, stunned silence. Just, oh, my God. That was Crystal's probably first moment of peace since Mika was born. Yeah, there's probably some weird wave of, like. Where both of them weren't talking. They're in a, we're, we're in a busy concourse, but it's just, like, white noise. <laughs> so anyways Mika just hears this and she didn't fully understand she's just like looking at me like confused I'm like you're going to meet Athanasiu and she's just like again just this stunned look so we Crystal go to- actually aged backwards <laughs> she's 24 now yes but um so we go downstairs they tell us to wait in this one area and then I'm just sitting there holding Mika Andreas walks around the corner he's got two autograph bobbleheads in hand for Mika all this stuff for and like he walks right up to her. He's like, are you Mika? Dude, this guy is an A plus human being. If anybody dislikes Andreas Athanasiu, I will fight you in the street. I don't care. This dude is like, given the circumstance that was going on, the fact that he was even willing to do this brought her thing. Like, I guess he left like right after this too. Like he Mm -hmm. just waited around to meet her when his sister mentioned that she was here. And then, yeah, signed a hockey card for her, got this bobbleheads, chatted with her for about five, ten minutes. Like, so cool. So Mika's on cloud nine, just staring at him like she's staring at like she just met God. And then uh, after we're done, we we go back up to our seats and watch the rest of the game. I get a, a Twitter DM from Andreas. 
And he's like, oh, by the way, my girlfriend took all these pictures as well and sent me all the pictures his girlfriend took of the interaction of Mika and him. And I'm like, that, that's incredible. And then like, I'm showing Mika all these pictures. She's like, wow, that's so cool. 30 seconds later, she's on the Jumbotron. <laughs> she's like. <laughs> After you called them a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you owe a, a poor. That, that message was not directed at the social media manager. That was directed at the organization because that should have been known in the morning, not six minutes before. I guarantee you, Eisenman just decided like once he, it was like he picked up the calls with, uh, he's like, Oh, you see that little girl down there with that sign? (laughs) Actually, Atherton, see you get undressed. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still rattled about the whole way they handled that. But anyways, um, again, not the social media manager because Max made me feel guilty enough about that already. Yeah, well, I would have died if they replied to you instead of, saying glad to know it worked out they said glad to know it worked out idiot (laughs) i would have died i'd have respected it more um but anyway so yeah and then she ends up on the jumbotron and so she's on cloud nine now me and me get me and crystal get home we're like please please for the love of god don't trade them (laughs) obviously we knew they were going to or else they wouldn't have held them out of the lineup but yeah oh it was a roll and then having to explain to her this afternoon that he plays for the oilers now you have no, it was 20 minutes of, but why? <laughs> Daddy, why does he play for the, why? Why? Man, you can't explain that to a three-year-old. Well, uh, what a great segue to move us into uh, today's trade, trade deadline, because uh, soon after uh, Andre Sathanasiu had probably his last, like, make a new fan like uh treat a little kid to like a little moment of celebrity some moment someone tweeted at me that was probably the last autograph he ever signed as a red wing probably the last red wing autograph he signed signed uh he was traded to the edmonton oilers so white walker now so uh yeah i hope (laughs) he's definitely north of the wall uh crazy day for Mika and crazy uh, day for Red Wings fans today. So uh, let's just dive right into it. The uh, Detroit Red Wings kicked off the trade deadline. Or you know what? Let's just do this. Let's just start off with the Athens CU trade because that's what everyone wants to talk about. It's the most uh, divisive thing that's currently going on with the team. And I think this actually might be something that we argue about. This We're going to get deep into this because I like it from some standpoints and I dislike it from others taking my personal bias aside. So the way this trade went was uh, obviously when Green and Athanasiu were held out of last night's game last minute, um, it, it gave you the notion that trade talks about those two players had kicked up uh, between Eisenman and some team or teams Um, and you knew something was close Uh, the green deal happened in the middle of the night uh, as is Eisenman's MO and we will get to that but with the uh, Athens U deal at about I think it was 1130 I messaged uh, Sportsnet had reported or before that a couple of people had reported that uh, Eisenman had a strong offer I believe TSN 1050 was talking about it uh, Eisenman had an offer on the table that was tangible, but he's looking to drive the price up. Some things happened around the trade deadline that pretty much made Athens CU uh, one of the premier, if not the premier, uh, top six forwards available uh, because Kreider was taken off the market. And then Sportsnet reported that a deal was close with Columbus. So we're all scrambling to say, who is it going to be from Columbus? Here's the picks that they have. Here's the prospects that they have. They're ranked literally 31st on Scott Wheeler's uh, prospect pipelines. And then... Um, it was like an hour and a half after the Columbus like report and nothing had happened. And then we all started to get the the inclination of usually once you get it, you get a report that says they're finalizing a deal and then you don't get it 90 minutes later. It means something has either fallen through or the GM is trying to drive up the price. 
And that's what it ended up being because uh, soon thereafter, uh, Eisenman uh, finalized a deal with Ken Holland over in Edmonton, former Red Wings GM, obviously, to send Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kuffner to Edmonton for uh, two second round picks in the next two drafts and Sam Gagne. So, not a first, not Pugliarvi, not any premier prospect reactions uh my initial reaction was this is a bad trade um my second reaction was this is still a bad trade but not as bad as i initially first initially thought so i'm going to cover this from a couple angles based on the market that was set for other forwards he got a low return blake coleman uh barclay goudreau uh, and a couple that should not have gotten more than Athens. I know everybody kept saying his contract expires this year. Yes, but he's an RFA after this year. So he is a, still a team controlled asset. He is not a rental for the Oilers. Let's get that right out of the way. Um, to say, so you see all these top prospects and first round picks floating around and Detroit gets neither of those for Athens. So you can look at this trade in a vacuum. And this is kind of where I came around on it. If you look at this trade in a vacuum, it's fine. I wouldn't say it's bad. I wouldn't say it's great. It's fine. But compared to the rest of the market on the trade deadline, it's, I would consider, very weak. A very weak return. Especially when you consider how Detroit's prospect pool is shaping up right now. Detroit, two second-round picks is going to give you really good depth in your system. Maybe even a, a pretty quality player there, but statistically unlikely. But it's good depth. But the problem is Detroit has one of the deepest pools in the organization right now. They lack the true top end talent in their system. So I would have much rather moved Athens U for one first round pick than two seconds. Deepest pool in the NHL, you mean? Yeah. 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 One premier piece instead of two pretty good pieces is what Detroit needed. And it's not what they got. For all we know, that wasn't on the table anywhere. Obviously, it wasn't or else it would have happened. But still, it's disappointing given the rest of the market. Because statistically speaking, the Detroit probably loses this trade because he's an RFA control in Edmonton. So they're going to uh, likely going to resign him. It would take some be sort a of fool not to. Yeah. It would take some sort of disaster in Edmonton for him to not resign in Edmonton, even if it's just for another year or two. Um, so they're going to get multiple years out of a guy who we talked about last episode, scored 30 goals last year and is having a very unlucky season this year, where if he was just shooting his normal career shooting percentage, he'd be on pace for 26 goals this year. So it's not like he's generating that many less chances on a team that's far worse last than they were last year. Um, I forget the exact odds, but I remember reading an article not that long ago that second round picks typically play north of 200 NHL games. Roughly 44% of the time, I believe it is. So less is it than, that high? It's somewhere between 40 and 44. Okay. So that means, and that's just 200 games. A player who plays only 200 games in his NHL career is not that good, right? Like Athens U is going to probably play a thousand games in the NHL or close to it. And he's going to be a productive player for almost all of them. So statistically speaking, the Red Wings are likely going to get one NHLer out of these two picks. And it's not likely to be an impact player. So just just talking about straight up odds and statistics here, taking all opinion out of it, they likely are going to lose this trade. Now, that being said, we've been talking all the time. Detroit needs assets. They need lottery balls in the hopper. So this gives them two more dots and darts and they could hit big on both of them. And that's the dream, right? But 
and everybody's talking about Kucherov was a second round pick. Cool. How many, that was how many years ago and how many players like that have happened since it's not likely like you look at all of Detroit's had an absolute ton of second round picks in the last five years. How many of them would you consider premier pieces? Mm. One, maybe two. Yeah. At best. And it really depends on what you define premier as, but yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think we can define Athens. You as when he's a 30 goal scorer on a team that scores the least amount of goals in the NHL. Yeah. Um, so all that being said, the state of the system, the return they got, the rest of the market, I don't like this trade. Um, and then you've, and one of the things when I mentioned this, all this on Twitter, one of the most common thing that kept coming back to me was, well, he wasn't in their future plans. Okay. Why you have a 30 goal score on a team that can't score goals. What and you they were just unwilling to include him in their future plans. There must have been a severe falling out between him and the organization for that to happen. And because I still maintain, a, they're like, he doesn't play defense. Uh, if a good coach can get Alex Ovechkin to play defense, a good coach could get Athens to play. I'm this isn't going to be a thing to blash on bash on Blash Hill, but I'm just saying that's that's a cop out answer that I don't like. And then people are saying he has character issues, people don't want to play for him. Well, the GM that had him for most of his career <laughs> is the one who traded for him. So he clearly has no problems with Athens to as a person or a player, or else he wouldn't have traded for him. So to me, I, if it's the best Eisenman could do, it's the best Eisenman could do. But at the same time, if this was the best he could do, I would have been in the keep him camp. I think he would have had more value to the team long-term than these two second-round picks will. Again, it's a lottery. I understand that one of these guys might turn to Sebastian Ajo, Nikita Kucherov. Great if it happens, statistically unlikely. But I don't know. I just I I don't see the upside here. Market value, it's a loss. Asset management, it's a loss. Odds that we're gonna replace his level of production with these picks, it's a loss. I just it's not a severe loss, like it's still a pretty decent return, but it's just I don't see the upside. I mean, perhaps Eisenman has a long-term play where he does some wizardry and turns those two seconds into something greater at the draft, such as move up into the first round and nab somebody that um, is hanging around that shouldn't be. Uh, it plays into my ask Rob theory. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I, I, unless in a draft like this and there's a team that doesn't like any picks at like the 10 to 15 range, maybe... <laughs> But I can't imagine there'll be a team in the top 20 this year not being able to find a player they like. You know what, Brad? I don't disagree with you. Like I, My initial thought was, because it initially came out as two seconds for, for Athanasiu, and I went, there's got to be more to it than that. I thought maybe there was a condition on one of them. and even There what, was more. We got Sam Gagne. They got Sam Gagne, which, which was a cap dump for Edmonton. That's not, an, that's not an asset. He's a UFA this summer. If they keep Sam Gagne, it'll be a warm body. And you know what? I like Sam Gagne as a cheap third, fourth line center. If he plays fourth line next year for us to just run the second power play, and it, it, it's an upgrade. He's what? The fourth best forward on this team right now? Not, like uh, legitimately? It might actually be Timoshov. <laughs> Oh my God. So um, it, that's a plus, but he might just walk in free agency this summer. So it's irrelevant. So I agree. I, I think two seconds isn't disastrous. And I want to put that on the record. I think in the range of what I think would be an acceptable return, this is at the bottom of it, but I still think it makes the range. 
Um, I would have liked a first. I would have liked to have taken the gamble on Pooley Uh, I know a lot of people are saying he's not what he's chalked up to be. I was like, yeah, you know what? But that's kind of what a second round pick is, right? It's the same kind of risk as getting Pooley I would way rather roll the dice on him. Yeah, he he didn't have a good stint in the NHL, but he at a very young age, but he proved he can play in the NHL. So again, going by the odds of what a second round pick would be, Pooley is already ahead of that. So my my thing is and you kind of got there brad was if he's not in the long-term long-term plans maybe there's a falling out maybe not necessarily a falling out maybe steve eisman is very familiar with the negotiating style of darren ferris um athanasius agent um notoriously tough to deal with uh kind of a very loud in your face style of negotiating and that's not an insult to him but he does really gun hard to get his guys the most deal or the the best deal possible you often see holdouts or very public conversations about the negotiations happening so if eisenman's take on this is that there's still at least three years out which he almost explicitly said in the press conference after and he didn't see Athanasiu staying on on a reasonable deal moving forward. I think this might have been like a risk mitigation thing. This might have been a risk mitigation tactic that said, here's what I would need to, to say. Yep, okay, we'll move on from Athanasiu because this is too much of a risk to head into these nasty RFA negotiations. And the RFA negotiations, the NHL have changed. We saw that last summer with Mitch Marner um, and other RFAs. I don't want to head into that. Uh, two seconds is my price. And a couple people reported that that is the price that Eisenman set. So that was his bottom line. And he said, if you meet it, I'll pull the trigger. Obviously, he was trying to get a first out of it. He said that as well. Um, you don't need three talking heads to tell you that Eisenman would have rather have had a first, a better return. If it was there, he would have taken it. I think the one frustrating thing is when you look over the fence and you see Edmonton's got all their firsts and you look at their prospect pool and Philip Broberg, Evan Bouchard, uh, Raphael Lavoie, you're like holy. Tyler Benson. Uh, you're like holy crap! Like this team is stocked, and to not get any of that, that's that's a bit disappointing. Um, so when I saw that, it was two two seconds, and Sam Gagne, I was a little underwhelmed for sure. And but all credit to Ken Holland, that's a wizardry move. He was able to keep all his top prospects and their first round picks. And picked up a guy who's going to score an easy 30 goals with Connor McDavid or Dreisaitl. Where was that energy five years ago, Ken Holland? He, right? did, he did. Thanks, get, Ken. He has been great the past few years with his you, trades. The, the tar trade deadline deal was still Holland. But um, getting back to the point, two of the points you made, I'm going to agree with one of them and disagree with one of them. The, Son of a bitch. So, I'm giving you 50-50 here deal with it. I'll disagree with the, the negotiating tough agent on that. It's just solely because it was Ken Holland who traded for him. So he knows what he's getting into with Darren Ferris and Athanasiu. They've already had one holdout between Athanasiu, Ferris, and Holland. It's already happened, and he was still comfortable enough to trade back for him. I have a counter for that, but I'll hold it. The part where I agree with is where Eisenman said, we're still about three years away, which is probably generous, but hope ideally. Yeah, Athanasiu will be 28, 29 around the times are good. So if these second-round picks do pan out, they are coming into when the Red Wings are good, getting into their prime. So from that standpoint, it makes sense as long as they hit. Did did Steve Eisenman and his professional scouts assess Athanasiu right now as having already peaked and last year was anomalous because that would explain being able to to move on from him for such a perceivably low price. I, I would agree that I think he's peaked. Um, 
but I don't think last year was an anomaly. I think that's going to be around his norm for the or, next few years. Yeah, now because he's playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Again. Or at worst, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But again, this year, had it not been for some bad puck luck, he's he's not far off his goal pace last year. We've talked about how some of the worst trades in hockey history have come because of someone having a career-low shooting percentage. But in this case, yeah, it's probably going to be he's peaked i don't think he's going to be any better than he is now other than the fact that his teammates are now going to improve him my counter to your ken holland wouldn't have done this if he was a problem uh, argument is he knows you're a different gm when you get to be the gm of the undisputed best player on the planet and then another top five player on the planet you just get fast high skill guys to play with them and then you worry about it later because that's how you win cups Right. Like we, we rip on Jim Rutherford a lot for his asset management and how he manages his team. And, you know, why are you giving away all your futures? Well, it's like, well, he's going for Pittsburgh's fourth cup in this Crosby Malkin era. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Ken Holland, if he's bringing in a winger with like attitude issues or not saying Athanasiu has them or like a tough agent, who cares? Because if Athanasiu can, you know, net 12 goals in a playoff run and steal them a few games and just, have the world's fastest forecheck with Connor McDavid. Yeah. You don't care if that's going to be a tough summer. You're, you're smiling the whole way through June and then eventually you lift the cup. So the environment in terms of negotiation has certainly changed. You go from negotiating your contract in Detroit, where you are almost looked upon as to be one of the guys Mm -hmm. where you go and now into Edmonton, where almost any line he gets slotted onto, he will get guaranteed production. So he would be a, it would be against his best interests to put up a fight there, um, contract-wise. I'm not cool like Brad. I don't know Andreas personally, so I don't know what he not, likes. Not a friend. Not a friend. Not a close friend. So, you know, you don't know what he likes in terms of playing for a team, if he values the city, you know, weather, what have you. But if he cares about playing the best hockey that he can, I would not be surprised to see him sign an extension a max extension very free tickets to the best show on the planet every single night yeah and he could make much better money where he is now than going elsewhere on the free market ah i'm gonna disagree with that because edmonton's right up against the cap whereas detroit had all the space in the world yeah i think he'd get he would get perceivably more money elsewhere but at the same time you look at the suitors for andreas athanasiu it's pretty much teams that are cap strapped or trying to make a run so i don't know how much big money he's gonna get Maybe well, that's the whole reason we have Gagne is because they couldn't have done the trade otherwise. Wasn't he? Isn't Gagne LT? No, no, sorry. Brodziak, LTI retired. Yeah. Um, that's another trade with Ken Holland in the Oilers. Wait, on we'll the get same to that day. in a minute. Overall grade. Let's let's do grades. I just decided right now. Overall grade on Athens CU. C minus. I was my initial reaction was a C, and I was stick with that. Yeah, I I'd call. I think I'd call it a C. I call. I'm going to be fair here. I, admittedly, am, am guilty of carrying a lot, lot of water for Eisenman because I think he has this fan base's trust for a good reason. He has a pedigree, um, and also everyone in Detroit or involved with Detroit loves Steve Eisenman. Uh, but I am going to give it a C minus as well because I think I disagree with the two second round picks valuation, and I'm with Brad and possibly Evan in that. Um, yeah, it's not the worst return in the world, but I would have preferred to hold at least until the draft to see what could be done then. Yeah. Um it's not an unspeakable trade. We've seen way worse. And honestly, like if this is as bad as it gets, that's it's a pretty good situation for your GM. Um 
I just wasn't like th- super thrilled with it. And I don't think it's very often that Detroit has a chance to maximize assets with a player as talented as Athens CU. Or I certainly hope not. I hope Detroit doesn't for very much longer uh, be in the business of trading their best players. Uh, and I'm going to give all of us an F because not one of us used the pun Athens C minus. <laughs> I didn't say C minus. Athens C. You could have just stopped there. Athens C. You later. We didn't do any of that. Anyhow, Greek Lightning. Best of luck in Edmonton. Uh, we are all Edmonton fans now for the rest of the year. I'm not. Well, you oh, should I be. They can for, burn. For multiple reasons. For multiple reasons. all in on Edmonton. Edmonton was one of my favorite teams in the Western Conference anyway because I just enjoyed watching McDavid. I have all the reason in the world to cheer for them now. And now we have a second reason, which is a tangible hockey reason besides just watching the best players on the planet, which is the classic Steve Eisenman middle of the night trade. Damn it. I fell asleep and I woke up for a drink of water and I saw that it was one and I went, ooh, and I tapped my phone and I saw 32 notifications and I opened it and the son of a gun made a trade at like 12 20 a.m eastern time uh and it was uh mike green 50 percent salary retained to ken holland uh and the edmonton oilers in exchange for kyle brodziak who is literally just an lti retirement and a 2020 conditional fourth that has a potential to turn into a 2021 third round pick if the edmonton oilers make the conference final if the, and I think it's if Mike Green plays 50% or more. 50% of the game. Correct. Yes. That, that's the only risky one right there. <laughs> yeah. They're, Athens, you, Mike Green with McDavid, they're guaranteed to go to the Final Four. Is Has Ken Holland annoyingly learned his lesson? Yes. I mean, no, he just signed, uh, what's his face? Cassian. Yeah. Cassian. Cassian. I mean, everybody has slip-ups, you know? No rehab is perfect. <laughs> but he also traded Milan Lucic. Ken Holland's having a really damn good year, and it's irritating me. That, Ken, well, it's so easy to do when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl. Also, his he's having a great rehab. He stuck a needle full of something in Detroit's arm and then left town. That's true. <laughs> and now we're on like a five-year detox. True. We've I don't think we've we've been deranged for a long time. I, it's been a while since we've been a level-headed show. I think we're really level-headed for the level of insanity this team's putting us through. And yet all of you listen to us. Thank you. And if you're a new listener, uh welcome. And uh we're not sorry. This is our trade deadline one, so we're we're trying to be calm and rational. The screaming will come next episode. Um all right, that trade to me was actually probably not as far on the opposite side of the scale as the Athens CU one, but one that I see is uh, they probably got more for Mike Green than they had any business getting. Uh, not by leaps and bounds, but for those of us who have seen Mike Green play hockey this year and last, um, I don't think he's worth a fourth round pick, let alone a possible third. So. I was expecting a fourth to sixth round pick. The fact that it's a fourth on the higher end of the scale with a condition that could push it up to third, I see it as a win. Yeah, I'm happy with it. The salary retained doesn't matter because the Wings have infinity cap space. Mm-hmm. Taking Brodziak back doesn't matter because he's LTI retired. He'll never step foot in Detroit in all likelihood. So it's it's fine. It's a good return. It's This is one of those trades because it's not super significant. It's just like I'm whelmed. I'm good. I mean, it's as as good as you can be doing. Uh, and a lot of people said that's it. You know, they saw someone asked, um, and this isn't a, sl- a slight onto them. Like they actually asked, they're like, "Is is Mike Green legitimately worse than Scandella, Demello, and Dylan?" And the answer is yes, by a lot. And he's also significantly older than them. So people were kind of using with injury to, concerns. Yeah, and people were trying to use those as benchmarks, and it's just not the same world mike green's trait or name value carried him a long way in this 
<clears throat> if he didn't get moved, I would not have been shocked. I actually would have considered it likely. So, um, you know, what? it's good that the Red Wings got something for him. A fourth round pick doesn't have me, you know, jumping for joy. So I'm not going to give this a, a pick an A or this trade an A, but it's about as well as you could have expected from Eiserman. So I don't know if Evan, you have any different thoughts. No. Detroit got significantly less handsome with this trade. We are a way yeah. uglier team now. Yeah, our uh, our handsome between these two trades, our handsome and eyebrows per sixty went way down. Yeah. I don't know what Kyle Brodson yeah, looks like, but Sam Gagne is a good looking dude. Oh uh, yeah, he is. I don't know, man. Mike Green. He's not Mike Green. That's true. He also has a cat that he puts in the the team puppy calendar. You're so, bi- you're a big cat guy, eh? Oh, big cat guy now. Yeah. Yep. What's your cat's name? Alfie, but I call him Fred. His name's not actually <laughs> Fred. No. <laughs> Evan's by far the weirdest person I know. I know. Like legitimately, like, Brad, you're weird. You're weird and you make me pull out my hair. But Evan is by far like the, <laughs> Evan is like pure, he's chaotic weird. I prefer the term mysterious. Yeah. Yeah, we're know. not giving that to you. I know. <laughs> I, I, I tried to throw it out there. <laughs> I was going to. Evan plays not mysterious. And then all of a sudden he shows up with like a gold grill. And then the next day he doesn't have it. We're like, Evan, what happened to your grill? And he'll look at you and be like, Grill. What grill? Well, you were dating Cat for what six months before we found out. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Probably. I I actually it was, think it was better closer to a year than six months. Probably. It might have been actually. Yeah. And I think he accidentally told us too. He was like, "Yeah, Cat's." Uh, or I'm driving Cat's car, and we're like, "Sorry, whose car?" And he just <laughs> looked at us and went, "Oh." <laughs> that is likely. Oh yeah, just a few weeks ago we were walking out down the street to our cars and I'm like, yo, where's your truck? And he's like, oh, I haven't had that thing for four months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has his, uh, you have your Nissan now, right? Yep. Yeah, well, I knew that because I also walked out when we used to do this at your place. I walked out with it <laughs> and I walked out and he goes, oh, by the way, I got a new car <laughs> when he was getting into a different car. <laughs> Whose car are you getting yeah. into? Should I be concerned? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it was unlocked. So, <laughs> So besides that, No other Red Wings deals. Helm wasn't moved. Glenn Denning, who was talked about at the beginning of the day as a possible trade target, no one stepped up and paid the price for him. New rule, we're no longer allowed to talk about Luke Glenn Denning trade rumors until he actually gets traded because this is like feels like nine years of this shit, every trade deadline. It's the last time San Gagne was good. I, (laughs) You know, uh, someone said to me, they're like, hey, you got Sam Gagne, that eight-point game. And I was like, you know what? Canadian hockey fans are neurotic. Eight-point game? Yeah, he had an eight-point game. He's tied with Wayne Gretzky for the most points in a single game in Oilers history. Oh, my God. And it's like, of course, that's the first thing people think of and not the fact that he has like 12 points this year or whatever it might be. Yeah, And that's not a knock on Sam Gagne. He's not meant to have a lot of points for the red wings right now um yeah nothing nothing came through for glenn denning although i will say i think it's because the price was set high because he is an effective depth piece and nobody's willing to pay like the second or whatever it might have been and What's I, the bare minimum you would have taken for him glenn denning i think legitimately a second and that's because i have stockholm syndrome uh but also he's an effective bottom six player and i think for teams looking to make a run they have to pay the premium for that if tampa bay gives up a first round pick among other things like it's a more complicated deal a first round pick for barkley goodrow a second is fair for glenn denning yeah i would agree with that and helm i would have probably taken a third for helm and but the red wings have reached the point because uh eisenman's made it very clear he wants grand rapids to make the playoffs and that's going to be the priority going so we so, can't have nobody on the on the team exactly they literally had like if they traded those two guys it's like okay well who are we throwing out there uh we might have actually got our madison bowie to forward thing yeah oh by we the still way might. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now that Mike Green's gone and Hronix hurt, by the way, like no joke, Bowie was the Red Wings' best defenseman by a lot yesterday. <laughs> It's, it's horrifying. Remember when we said rock bottom and then rock bottomer? Yeah. I don't even yeah. know where we are with the ERs now. Man, rock is to bottom. I forgot how much like more you get watching a game live versus on TV. Like I know we had been to one like four months ago, but we had things going on, so like we weren't like super paying attention to the game. But I mean, yeah, I can see why people like Biega too. He has absolutely zero puck skills, but man, does he do the right things a lot He's of the time. He's feisty. And you know I what? Like Biega. He works hard in his fundamentals, and he, and you can see that. Um, Bowie tries stuff too, man. Like, he legitimately tries yeah, stuff. He sure, he sure does, doesn't he? He succeeded a lot more than I thought he would. Look, you know what? Nemeth also faster than I thought. Like, I'm trying to get positives because this is our top three defensemen until Hironic comes back. Nemeth is an effective defender. Remember and, when we said the Red Wings, what was the over-under on 40 points? Was it 40 points that we picked? I think uh, or someone it? said over-under on, fi- yeah, 40 or 50. It wasn't 50. It might have been 40. <laughs> that under's looking good. You know what? We might not be screaming so loud for the gold plan. I still maintain that gold plan should be. Uh, Detroit would be get- accumulating points for that as of now. Yeah, and it still might not go well. I, don't think a- we'd, I still don't think we'd get it. Dude, every year at the trade deadline, they put like playoff odds at the bottom of the ticker on TSN as it's going. Ours was NA. Who the hell is that? This is the first <laughs> time I've ever seen eliminated for trade deadline. Oh, yeah. Have we had a, an episode since the Red Wings have been eliminated? No. Does it matter? Fade us. Hold on. Wait, everybody. Uh, if you're driving, lights. If you're driving, please pull over. Uh, if you have your kids in the room or the car with you, cover their ears. Uh, Are we having a moment of silence? <laughs> yeah. For the Red Wings playoff chances. The uh, Detroit Red Wings have been eliminated from 2020 playoff contention. I know. I know. Entirely shocking. Pour one out. Yeah. yeah. Pour out your Miller Lite. Well, anyways. But you know what? The Red Wings, they've done two things this year that they have bragging rights on at least a couple other teams. They did not lose to the Montreal Canadiens at any point this year, and they did not lose to a Zamboni driver in their employer. I can honestly say I have never walked more with my chest puffed out on on a day after that game. I was on Sunday. I was walking around like I, I had won the Stanley Cup. I was watching the Leafs world melt to the absolute ground and then get eaten by a dog and barfed was the best day of my life. Uh, we will definitely gonna we're definitely gonna come back to that in our quick hits uh first let's talk oh, we're about, any more time than quick hits buddy we're let's talk about the leafs in a different way in that uh they ended up having to wave uh dimitri right dimitro dimitro way Timoshoff. more fun dimitro yeah, that is way more fun dimitro timoshoff uh 23 year old uh winger who uh brad i'll give you credit here you went out instantly and said detroit should pick this guy up he's talented and just a casualty of a stacked roster and that's exactly what detroit did um eisman said that they had a lot of looks at uh at him because he played a lot of AHL time for the Marlies. That's where he spent most of his time. So they were pretty familiar with him. Um, and he's expected once he clears his visa issues uh, to be on this team for the rest of the season and at least for a bit into next season, which is what uh, Eisman said. Um, he instantly makes his team better. High skill winger, zero cost of acquisition besides like the price to pay the guy. Um, probably we just unloaded how much salary today. So who cares? Probably you know, the fifth or sixth best forward on Detroit right now. Legitimately, I'm like running after Athanasius is gone. I'm like, you're going to have your top line that they've been running of uh, Fabry, Larkin, Mantha. 
Bertuzzi's going to be an, on an island with himself on the rest of that lineup because it's Philpola and the game I was at yesterday it was Perlini on that other one. No, cool. uh, I could absolutely make a case that Timoshov should be in there over Perlini. So a guy we just claimed on waivers probably should be playing on their second line. I don't know if they're going to throw him straight into the second line. They might acclimate him to the team a little bit first by playing with Abdelkader and saying, yeah, this is what you're going to get. Um, but yeah, he's Timoshov's a really good player for a waiver pickup again you can only expect so much from a waiver pickup yeah like toronto fan like steve yeah dangle responded to us and said here's like some things about him and it was like yeah he's skilled but he's kind of like he's, a loose cannon he's underwhelming in his own zone uh oh no this and that like he's good on the power play um and we all were instantly like oh great so he's a, immediately one of detroit's best players <laughs> like yeah, I was super excited when we got him, and then people were like, "Ah, no, measure your expectations." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. guys, this is all relative to the Red Wings. Um, this is exactly the pickup that you want." He's uh, not the greatest skater for a guy his size. He's I think five foot ten or eleven, but he's thick with two C's because he's 190 pounds. Big boy. Uh, really good puck skills. Never got power play time with the Leafs, but was great on the power play with the Marlies. Uh, like you said, he's feisty. He'll throw his body around. Uh, he's not good defensively, but he tries. Mm. Um, and like you said, little undisciplined, so a few too many penalties. But again, who the hell cares? So again, if his game can translate his east-west game in the offensive zone, maybe we got a poor man's Bertuzzi here. He had 50 points for the Marlies last year in 73 games. It's not it's not bad. Bad. And then he had 10 points in 13 games in the playoffs for them. So he's no slouch. No. Like, you can clearly produce at the AHL level. So this is free talent. Yeah. This is another swing at the bat, at the ball, and we got nobody. So why the hell not? Yeah. my What I think will happen, third, fourth line winger, because he does play the body, so he can kind of play any role. Hopefully his defensive game gets ironed a little bit. But he actually has skilled. So this is what we mean when we say you need – offense in your bottom six and this is the type of guy that'll do it will he ever crack 45 points in the nhl probably not but if he gets close to it that's fantastic if you can get like 30 40 points out of a guy playing in your bottom six and he can do it he had what like nine points in 29 games with the leafs this year or something again that's not bad he was playing i think exclusively on the i think he was line. buried yeah so probably if he gets if he had more than 12 minutes a night there i'd be shocked he pans out great. If not, oh well. Yeah, it costs yeah. nothing. Costs nothing, and they pulled an asset away from Toronto. So nothing makes me happier. Moral victory. I mean, I don't really think Toronto's too concerned, but regardless, uh, no, that, that was good, and that it was a common sense move and uh, one that you like to see, and one that they're able to do now because they've kind of been offloading contracts. I, th- I think they're still below the contract. Yeah, they they have space for two more contracts on this team. The Red Wings. Yeah, they have forty eight out of fifty right now. So. Yeah, well, uh, there are those European guys still where you might have to wait until the end of the KHL season or the Liga season before anything's announced, or it might not still happen. So, um, who knows? All right, trades around the league. Trades around the league. Okay. Is this a question, or did you want me to name some? A little bit of a prompt. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go through it here. I have the list in front of me. We're going to go chronologically. Uh, we're going to start from before the trade deadline, which was uh, Anaheim moving Andre Kasha. Uh, to Boston in exchange for David Backus uh, with 25% of his salary retained by Boston, Axel Anderson, and a 2020 first-round pick. Good for Anaheim. Really? A first-round pick? Boston's first-round pick. That's going to be pick 35. (laughs) Still. 
for Kasha, a guy who's been inconsistent, injured his whole career, is talented when he plays. Man, it's like they he's almost twenty three years old. It's like they traded for Athanasio. No, Kasha, he's he's twenty three years old. That's only two years younger. That's he's twenty. You know, that's a hundred. I think games. Anaheim did fine here, and Boston. It's a great trade for them because they got exactly what they needed. Nobody's unhappy in that trade. Boston got Kasha and got rid of Bacchus. Toronto had to give up their first just to get rid of Marlowe. Yeah, but that says more about Kyle Dubas than anything. And Axel Anderson. Marlowe was traded for a piece today. Axel Anderson isn't like um, a super prospect, but he's a decent prospect. So that's not a nothing addition to that trade either. Yeah. Remember when Anaheim had probably with the cream of the crop in terms of defensive core? Yeah, weird. How well, they just added to it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think Boston. I think this is just another stop helping Boston situation. Nobody should help Boston, but here we are. Uh, Kovalchuk to the Caps for a third. Love love it. Apparently, Kovalchuk, the, uh, Montreal had two trades in place that they were happy with. One with Washington and one with Boston. And they gave Kovalchuk the option. And he picked Washington instead of Boston. So he's immediately one of my top three favorite players yeah. in the league. Play on team with all the Russians and the Putin's pals. Play on the team with no Russians. I don't know. Terrible accents. Brutal yeah. accents. I, I, and a third round pick for Washington. Amazing price to play for a guy who's going to quarterback. They got him for pick. nothing. Basically. And they got a pick. And they're one of the cup favorites this year. Ovi's on a roll. They have Kovalchuk. Can you imagine just like, I know they don't because it's Carlson's spot, but if you just had on the top and the left side of the umbrella, Kovalchuk and Ovechkin. That goalie's going to have shell shock. I think they're going to do it just because you have to, right? You can't put them on the same team and not do that. Kovi and Ovi. Kovi and Ovi. How hard do you think? Oh, this uh, is gonna be the best buddy cop ever. How hard know. do you think Bergevin's pump was today? Dude, Ber- that that dude. You know how you're never as big as your last pump. Bergevin's He's bigger, bigger than <laughs> his last pump. He lives in the future pump. <laughs> he really does. That guy's huge. He his shirts are actually quadruple XL. They just don't make them big enough for him. Yeah, they're they're custom made where like the body is like a medium, but then the sleeves are like. It just says yes. Mark Bergevin has the body type of what an NHL GM wants a five foot nine player to look like. Yes, they're like if you're going to be that small, you better be the you better biggest. look like Bergevin. <laughs> he's no Dimitro Timoshov, but he's still thick. No, yeah. Um, the Ottawa Senators uh, moved uh, prime trade piece of Vlad Nemesnikov to Colorado for a fourth round pick. Which who is, cares? Well, I mean that's an undersell, right? Like no, that's an undersell, and it's good for Colorado, but who cares? We have other trades to talk about. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how little I how care about How much time Nemesnikov. do we have, I guess? <laughs> uh, Not that much, actually. Well, Brad, it's trade deadline day. I'm sorry to say, but your uh, co-ed F-League ball hockey tournament's going to have to wait. It's playoffs, buddy. Playoffs, oh, ball shit. hockey tournament's going to have to wait. Can you tell Brad? Brad's growing his playoff beard. He's <laughs> 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 been in the playoffs for three months. I hope... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ottawa made another deal, uh, which was uh, infuriating if you're a fan of any team in the Atlantic that's not Ottawa, but amazing just in terms of sheer awe if you're anyone else, which is J.G. Uh, Pajot in exchange for uh, the New York Islanders conditional first round pick, uh, which is top three protected. And if they hit, it goes to next year. Uh, 2020 second round pick and a conditional 2022 third round pick. That is only transferred if the Islanders win the cup this year. So assuming that doesn't happen for a first and a second. Whoa, is that a good return? Ottawa now owns the entire first round of the draft. If 
the Islanders miss the playoffs, they are like guaranteed Lafreniere. No, because yeah. it's lottery protected, so it wouldn't affect it. Oh, that's true. Well, they're guaranteed Lafreniere through their other two picks, and then they can pick Drysdale with pick four. Can you imagine they pick one, two, four, two, three, four? Oh, my God. Good day for Ottawa. Good day for Honestly, it drives me nuts it's because not Eugene. That to actually happen, because that would be cool. Non hockey decisions have torn torn down a like pre, like uh, uh, an important franchise in the NHL, and they're just being rewarded for it. It drives me insane. You failed successfully. Yeah, like actually, that's what it is. Meanwhile, we're here, like, hey, we got a, a, maybe a third round pick from Mike Green, and then they're like, yeah, this guy that we didn't even know was good. They gave us more picks for him. I don't know who's this Byfield guy. We'll take him. I guess we're investing in like AI and like machine learning, and there's Dorian just learn how to plug in his laptop. Pierre Dorian tried to sign Milan Lucic yesterday, and he's not even a free agent. <laughs> he pulls off this deal. Hey, Ottawa, what do they have, like 15 picks in this draft? That is absurd. So. Detroit has 10. In, fair, in fairness to Ottawa, if you're going to lose Eric Carlson, Mark Stone. You, know, you better be getting 15, 14 picks. This is, this is one hell of a way to do it. And if you want to talk about a draft that could turn around a rebuild and accelerate it, here you go. Uh, this, that was the type of return I was expecting Anthony Sioux to get. Uh, I wasn't expecting that much. And you know what? This is kind of a theme. Guys who can play in both ends of the ice seem to be the only ones to fetch anything more than what Anthony Sioux got. Um, and we see that throughout the trades that happened today. But I, I was expecting Anthony Sioux to get. I think they were. I was expecting them to be a little closer together. I think Pajot came in high. I think Anthony Sioux came in low. I wonder if uh, Pajot's signing that long-term deal had anything to play in. Uh, it had yeah. to have. There's no way that they banged out a six-year contract that quickly. It's like Which, the by one, the way, it's like the Mark Stone one where he just comes off the plane. He's already got the pen in his hands. Walks by, just signs a contract, and just keeps going to the casino. Lamorello hates cap space. Hey? Yeah, that that are we all in agreement? That's not a good contract. For no. Pajot's what 30? 30, 27. 27. Okay, so that's going to at least 33 at a guy who's only... This is the first time in his career he scored 20? I believe so. And he's a new player on a new team. And he was what Ottawa's first line center by default. Yeah, he's not putting up that production in in New York. So, uh, And that probably wasn't even the worst contract signed today. Uh, Toronto's favorite trade of the day and one that actually has me scratching my head still. Uh, the Panthers moved Vincent Trocek in exchange for Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, Chase Prisky, and E2... Louis Sterinen from Carolina. I have no idea how you have a top six centerman at under $5 million a year cap controlled for another two seasons beyond this one. And you move him when you're in the middle of a playoff race. They move him in like the worst type of trade. Look at all this volume we got. Yeah. But are any of them really that good? Look at all of them though. We got so many like Eric Hall is good. I don't think these guys are chumps. No, Lucas Walmart's fine. But they realistically just got two bottom six players and potentially two more bottom six players for, like you said, a top six center who's actually good and cap controlled for two more years at a great number. It blows my mind. Horrible trade for Florida. If you're Toronto and you have Flo- Florida's the only obstacle to Toronto because Toronto's not getting a wild card spot because the wild card teams, I think, are, are doing substantially better than them right now. And also not losing to Zamboni drivers. It's literally just the third Atlantic seed and the closest team to to Flor- uh, Florida and Toronto right now is what? Buffalo? That's what you have to compete with. And then all of a sudden, Florida just says, yeah, no, we don't want this top six centerman. Someone said today in the Red Wings presser that the Red Wing or goaltender is the most important position on the ice. I, I, they can be, and I think that's not a black and white question. But I think if you're talking, if you have to assign value, 
your number one centerman is the most important position, or at least your center depth matters the most with your team's construction, at least in today's NHL. Florida, why? If you really want to move Trocek, move him next year. Like, or the year after. It just doesn't make sense to me. Regardless, it's not like they got completely ripped off. It just didn't really make sense in terms of how much time he had left in the position their franchise is in. They have a ton of talent, too. Uh, Nate Thompson for a fifth is whatever. Hutchinson for Callie Rosen's whatever. Patrick Marlowe uh, acquired by Pittsburgh for a conditional third, uh, which becomes a second the year after if they win the cup. Um, this is more of Rutherford going all in for Pittsburgh. I don't mind that deal at all. I don't. Th- I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, Marlowe's not a completely effective player, and you shouldn't be playing him 21 minutes a night in Game Seven against Boston. But if you need him as a depth experienced uh veteran on your team who might be able to pot an important goal from time to time go for it yeah it's space it's going to be load management with him and it's up to mike sullivan to figure out how to best use patrick marlowe this is the team he needs to go to to win the cup i hope not um they that team is easily one of the best teams now they're ready to go again and i love gms who are willing to sacrifice the future and, and make moves because they know when their window is. And it's it's now it's still now for Pittsburgh. Next trade, what is Buffalo doing? <laughs> Who the <laughs> hell knows? Someone get Dwayne on this podcast. Buffalo is buying. And oh, I saw just say the trade before I get into it. Wayne Simmons, half salary retained from the Devils for a fifth round pick. I mean, that's essentially nothing, you, I guess. Yeah, but why? Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. people, I forget who it was. Someone was tweeting about how insane Buffalo is for even being a buyer in this deadline. And then one of the, Buffalo, aren't they nine points out of the playoffs? Something like that. One of the Buffalo yeah. beat writers who got, I guess, ultra angry about that tweeted. Well, look at the record team records from February. And so it was like Buffalo six, three and one in the month of February. That's the third best record in the Atlantic ahead of Toronto on this to which I think it was uh, Dimitri responds. Congratulations. They won the February playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> like, congratulations. You had a standard good month. Six, three and one is not. Oh boy. We went six, three and one. No other like, team. Talk about that. small sample size. Like, oh my oh, God. The right wings went seven, two and one in the last 10 games of last season. And that's, like, awesome ba- Jack Hughes. that's like basing the entire winter on one week of weather. The first 10 days of the season, the Red Wings were what tied for first at three and one. That is, that is the most Buffalo move I've ever seen. Jack Eichel's wondering how many more times he needs to get executives fired. I and clearly it's at least once more. I don't know who this move was for. I think Jack Eichel probably saw that move and went, no, Jesus, Jason, that's not what I meant. God, no. Ugh. Well, anyways, uh, Pittsburgh got uh, Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sheary for Dominic Cahoon. Nothing deal, nothing deal. I'm just trying to find a deal that will get a reaction out of Brad. Not a lot happened. Columbus moved Sonny Milano to Anaheim for Devin Shore. Oh, San Jose and Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay acquired Barkley Goudreau and a third-round pick, Philly's third-round pick, from San Jose in exchange for Anthony Greco and a 2021st. Barkley Goudreau arguably got a better return than Andreas Athanasiu, and that kills me inside. Tampa Bay's first is likely to be, like I said, with Boston's. It's probably pick 31. Um and they are, this is a few things. One, Tampa Bay does not care. They are trying to do a Pittsburgh. They're paying whatever they need to pay to get them over the hump and win the damn cup with this team. Um, two, 
probably a bad deal in my mind in terms of the price. Um, like, and I'm not opposed to Tampa giving up a first round pick, but you could have done better than Barclay Goudreau. With this is pick. what I'm saying. If you're giving, <laughs> if you're paying a first round pick, you want a guy who can play both ends of the ice. But hey, if you're going to give up a, a first round pick for a guy who can do that, we have a perfectly good Luke Landenny here for you. <laughs> We would have gladly have taken that, right? We would, have, we, would, we would have given you a third round pick and Trevor Daly just for the fun of it. Just for the fun of it. You didn't even have to play him. You could have just used him uh, as a motivational speaker. Anyways, it might end up if if Goudreau ends up having a good playoffs with Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay wins the cup, they're not going to care. They also saw, traded for Blake Coleman. Is that his name? Yeah. Was, yeah, a week or two. And they signed Bogosian. They so, signed Bogosian, which I don't understand why. but anyways. Also don't get, but... I think they're preparing for any sort of playoff situation. Yeah. They're signing guys of every end of the spectrum or spots in the spectrum to be prepared for whoever that matchup is. No, they're just trading for everyone. You can't lose a series if nobody else has players. (laughs) That's us. We don't have players. That's like someone made the joke. I think it was Scott Wheeler went up and said, uh, Ottawa, with our 200 picks this draft, we select everybody. Thank you for coming, folks. (laughs) Uh, Carolina Hurricanes acquired Sammy Votnin, 50% salary retained from the Devils for Frederick Clausen, Yanni Kokinen, and a fourth with conditions. Who cares? Um, Robin Lehner went to Vegas with Toronto in the middle, who somehow end up getting a fifth round pick in exchange for Malcolm Subban, um, and a second and Brady Shea went to Carolina. So Carolina acquiring a couple defensemen. Carolina had a great day because they had an awful weekend where everybody got hurt. Well, they didn't have that awful of a weekend. (laughs) Uh, and it was an exchange for a conditional first round pick. And the range, the condition is the Rangers will receive the later of either Carolina's first round pick or Toronto's first round pick this year, which Carolina owns in exchange for Brady Shea. So a uh, very interesting day for them. That's the trades for this trade deadline. Winners, losers, things you were surprised about, go. Losers, Nashville. Do you hear that? That's crickets because you didn't really do anything to address any of your issues. And for a team that needs to do something in one direction or the other. Hello. Like, you just sat on your hands. Yeah. There's players out there that got traded today who would be <laughs> valuable assets to your team. And you did nothing. Winners, Carolina and Edmonton. Uh, yeah, everyone's saying, oh, Edmonton's buying when they shouldn't be. They hardly paid anything. They gave up two second round picks and a fourth round pick, kept all their first and all their top prospects. They're fine. Mike Green, I don't think will help any team in the NHL, but there is a chance if they shelter his minutes and just use him sparingly and on the power play, he can do what they want him to do. I don't have a lot of hope for that, but I also think Tippett's an excellent coach. So, uh, you know, I might be made to look stupid there. I don't know if this is a good segue if we're done the, the, uh, we're at the tail end of the trade deadline. The Leafs. Can I just say winners? Oh, yep. Go winners. The typical, the prototypical Stanley Cup uh, contenders buying Boston, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. I think they're all winners. I think they're doing exactly what they need to do. The other winners are the fans. Oh, All yeah. the te- good teams ha- loaded up. Yeah. And that is going to make for some amazing playoffs this year. We won't have any sniff of that whatsoever, and we'll have no horse in the race. <laughs> but let me tell you, the playoffs should be really good this year because everybody had an arms race. Oh, we have a horse in the race. Goilers. Goilers. No, let them burn. Goilers. I'm a Vancouver fan. Ew. The Toronto Maple Leafs, you were making a point? They are the losers as well. Oh, man. Yeah, because... Talk about a team that basically put up one of the most embarrassing losses of all time, almost in any sport. I 
and <laughs> and they did nothing. That is either the ultimate message to the players that this is on you, or this is something about Kyle Dubas that I just don't understand. We've had Steve Dangle on this podcast before, guys, and you know Steve. If you think we get animated, Steve gets animated. There were earthquake warnings in Waterloo after that game because of his anger. <laughs> when Steve did his LFR video, uh, it almost instantly became his most watched video of all time and was the number one trending video on YouTube in Canada. Um, Steve's been doing this for a long time. <laughs> That's how embarrassing this game was. So before we get to the game, the Leafs made essentially a bunch of AHL trades and ended up extending Jake Muzzin, who we thought was... No, it was supposed to be Tyson Berry on the block, right? Yeah. Uh, but they extended Jake Muzzin in four was years. Was Callie Rosen who they traded for Hutchinson? Yeah, they also, yeah, they traded Callie Rosen well, away no take last ba- There was take backsies. They didn't call no take backsies. Mistake. Well, Dubas, smart from Dubas, when they he realized Hutchinson was a lemon. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who have lived under a rock or had your um, phones taken away from you or um, have not heard the news uh toronto ran into an emergency backup goalie situation uh against the other team so they were in toronto carolina playing toronto uh reimer and Mrazek both went down and so they had to call in the arena's emergency backup goalie the e-bug if you will did you watch the game i did i turned in tuned in like two seconds before john Tavares scored that goal against him yeah and i was like this is weird i was like why I was like, why does their goalie have blue stuff on? And then I was like, that's not Reimer. I was like, and that's not Mrazic's pass. I was like, who the hell is this? And then I turned the volume up and I realized that they pulled this guy, aka their Zamboni driver. <laughs> not their Zamboni driver, the Marley's. The Zamboni. Marley's, so all intents and purposes, pretty much theirs. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he was a net. I was like, well, this is going to be a blowout. Like, you already saw the one, and then the Leafs scored again right after. I was like, oh, my this God. Like, guy. This isn't Whoever has Foster. the over right now is just getting ready to go on a bender. Well, I mean, if it was for goals scored in the game, they might have still hit, right? Yeah. The uh, For those of you who don't know, Toronto or the emergency goalie situation is basically uh, lies on the home team. They always have to have one or two guys in the arena who can jump into a game if needed. It's one of the quirks of professional sports, and it's one of the best things ever. Um, this guy, it's not just random, some random schmuck in the crowd. It's like someone who's played goalie, like college hockey. or You, you can't. I think the one caveat is he cannot have played professional hockey. Exactly. He played in my league two years ago for Tilsonburg. Oh, against Milvey. <laughs> against Milvey. Yeah, buddy. What was the stat line like? Do you know? I have no clue. Probably had more points than Brad. Oh, definitely had more points than me. He, re- he registered a shot on net that game, too. <laughs> he banked one all the way. And uh, the shoulder still sucks, but it's functional. Brad uh, saw that and went, I have a path to the This NHL. is me. This is it. I'm ready. Mine, mine, I am he ready. Let that, that goalie lived the dream of every beer leaguer in the world stream that night. Do you think it's worth it if I just show it doesn't matter what NHL team? Detroit's probably the best bet right now, but if I just show up with my gear and just sit in front of the doors until they let me in. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I was gonna walk past and go, Are you Yeah, I'm I'm Sam Kanye. Can <laughs> yeah. you let me in? <laughs> Okay, so uh, his name's David Ayers. Uh, he went into net. He got scored instantly. Carolina was up 3-1. He got scored on instantly. as 3-2. Carolina went up 4-2. He got scored on again 4-3. And we were all like, all right, we know how this is going to end. Um, he didn't let in another goal. 
Carolina shut Toronto down. For some reason, Toronto was passing the puck a lot against a Zamboni driver in net. He played 29 minutes, I think. Yeah, he played half the game. He played half the game and they got 10 shots, I think. Uh, and stopped. He stopped eight of them. Yes. He that's, stopped. You know, that's respectable in the Red Wings. He stopped eight NHL shots against arguably the most talented forward core in hockey and won the game in Toronto against the team that signs his paychecks on hockey night in Canada. <laughs> oh, and a home <laughs> game and a home game for the Leafs. Listen, I try. Like we have a broad audience and I try not to lay it on too thick. When we're in our group chat, we'll go on a little bit heavier and we have friends. Like we with Steve Dangles our, our our good friend and we love the guys at the, at the Steve Dangle podcast Adam and Jesse and they're they've been good to us but the shot and fruit, just like the happiness that comes from watching the most embarrassing loss in modern NHL history. And who held the most embarrassing loss in modern NHL history? The Leafs. <laughs> this is worse than the 4-1 game, right? Oh, yes. This is worse than the 4-1 game? This is more. Given the context, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say no. But all this does is now they have the most embarrassing loss in the regular season and playoffs. They've got both crowns. If... If the Leafs end up missing the playoffs by one or two points, can you imagine? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? They fire that's him? that's very much... If, if I knew what Florida was doing, I would say that's very much a possibility. Yeah, if they didn't just trade Trocek, I'd be like, yeah, I would almost say it's likely. They went out and lost the same night because they hate fun. Yeah. What, if you're Mitch Marner, what are you doing passing? Just shoot the puck. The guy's wearing your colors. Mel asked me. She's like, that's why they confused. He confused them. Is that they Frederick they were- Anderson? I, I <laughs> they all had, yeah, they were coming in. Blue. Oh, no way. I got to turn around. Oh, my God. I'll pass and- over to that guy for the breakout. And did this give the whole Babcock, Lamorello crowd just a huge hard on? Were oh they? My- did you by any chance look at what your trending t- like hashtags were on Twitter after that game? Was it no. fire? Dubis? It was just all leaf stuff. Oh and it was God. like embarrassment. Dubis. Shanahan, Babcock, <laughs> like it was insane. Uh, it was actually nuts how many people just jumped on this moment. And you know what? As much as you might disagree it's with a Canadian them, heritage moment, is that sorry? The Leafs losing to their own Zamboni driver in a playoff race is as much of a Canadian heritage moment as anything else I've ever and seen. Let's not take anything away from Carolina because oh, look at Rob. Did you see Rob Brennan's face? Oh yeah, he went in. And he's just like, <laughs> oh, where are we? What are we doing? Let's get the hell out of here. And they played so good in front of him. Yeah. Their defense for the last half of that game was incredible. And that's the type of moment that teams have in a season where that just projects them into another level and takes them to another gear. So, you know, as much as we bash on Toronto, that was a masterfully played game by Carolina. Yeah, honestly, good on them for... for the Leafs it. didn't make it that much that much more difficult. No, and they could have, but they, they should did. have, but they didn't. But Carolina played really well. Uh, we have more to talk about the Red Wings, but we're going to save it for future episodes. Eisenman had his press conference. Nothing revolutionary came out of it, but we'll talk about that on Thursday's episode. And then uh, this does the moves that were made today does uh, give us a little bit more of an outlook as, as to what's coming this summer. A ton of cap space, a ton of freedoms, freedom to make moves, and uh, there's a lot to come on that. So this is our trade deadline recap episode, but there's the fallout, and that'll come as well. Um, any quick hits? Ovechkin, 700th goal. Ovi's the GOAT. Yeah, I got to leave now, so the quick hits. Ovi's the GOAT. The Kreider contract's terrible. Please, God, let this season end. Andreas, uh, 
you're my favorite. We're going to head over to overtime on this trade <laughs> deadline recap episode. Any questions for me? Cause save for next episode. Um, Brad's leaving for his, uh, emergency ball hockey game. So everyone tweet your disappointment to it's Brad. Floor ball, get it right. Floor ball. Broom ball. I mean, what's, I don't know the difference. You know what? You weren't bullied enough. I don't think that was, that's the problem with Brad. There's only so many kids you can put in a school. <laughs> There's the, limits. There weren't. They, you know what? There you guys went to school. <laughs> you guys are getting paid. <laughs> We're gonna head over to Patreon uh, for overtime, where our patrons get their comments read out as our way of saying thank you for supporting us. Uh, Haroon Khan says, "Hey guys, is there a chance Abdulkader or Nielsen retire before their contracts expire? Also, is there a chance we see Detroit change their jerseys? Uh, Unless they come up with another uh, some sort of mil- uh, mystery illness." I don't know. LTI retirement, maybe. I haven't really seen an indication that I need Applicator and Nielsen are both allergic to playing good hockey, so that we may be able to work with that. Uh, Hosa had his skin allergy, which is actually very real, but you know, anyways, was it? Yeah. Uh, and no, the Red Wings won't change their jerseys. They might add a third. Um, those Grand Rapids Jurassic Park jerseys? Oh, my God. Wild. What's the most amount of money you'd pay for one? If you had, an, let's say money wasn't a thing, but what was the most like conscionable amount of money you'd pay for if one? If money wasn't a thing? It's not just like, oh, I, I'll pay a million dollars. Like, but you, you know, Let, Let's say like, I'm not going to like... I only have 50 bucks. No, no, nothing no, like it's, that. It's like, let's say, let's say you got a thousand bucks. Same position we're in now. No kids, careers. Oh, the yeah. best. Uh, I think the most I'd pay for one is 500 bucks and I'd be sad when it goes for more than that. In, uh, you could get any player you want on it. Okay, let's say it's a Mo Sider signed. It's that'll be more than five hundred bucks. That's gonna be. That, that'll be Just put it on Mika and get her to get it signed. Honestly, she's the only person with influence around here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, if if I was more into jersey collecting, I'd probably drop a grand on one of those. Yeah, I don't. I don't care at all for jerseys. I have two Red Wings jerseys. Yeah. Um, I'm putting mine up on the wall in this in this studio. If I could get any player, I and I also really don't have any, you know, preference on player. Say it was a Moritz Sider jersey, just for the sake of conversation. Most I would do, realistically, absolute most I would do because everyone would be jealous. Five hundred bucks, yeah, six hundred. If I was like, oh god, okay, I guess I wouldn't like myself for it. But those are some sweet jerseys. Matt Cheney says, uh, well, fellas, from when I'm writing this, it looks like Athens, you and Green are going to be traded due to them being healthy scratched. Seems like Edmonton is a front runner, so let's hope Ken Holland didn't forget how to give up assets. He's an insider. I'd like to get uh, continue a conversation that happened on the last episode, of, last episode about watching hockey with an overly analytical mindset. I'm new in the advanced stats world, and as someone who is studying ecology, I absolutely love stats, and I think these advanced statistics are good for hockey long term. But I also feel like hockey is such a unique sport with so many unwritten rules, traditions, and history that I can't help but feel that when I watch it, I just keep saying in my mind, hockey is hockey. Handshakes after a brutal playoff series, the code uh, with fighting and fisticuffs, protecting goalies at all costs, the chirping. Most of my favorite things about hockey are not analytical at all that's just hockey some sports like football are overanalyzed to the point where fantasy teams are cheered for more often than the person's actual team and i'd hate for hockey to fall down that same hole what are your thoughts it's nice hearing you again after a long vacation great content as always that conversation is so convoluted and i find that there's not one right answer to any of it and i feel like it's such a subjective thing it's. I, I think you can 
take Matt's point about the value it brings to hockey, but as long as you don't, you know, try to lay a blanket over anything or ruin a viewing experience, like you mentioned, I think they can live hand in hand. And the the polarization of it is kind of disappointing because it should just be a tool to make hockey better. And if you're not into it, then you're not into it. But yeah, it, it's just like another tool in the toolbox. You're not, you don't have to use it. I'm certainly not going to look up, you know, Red Wings make a trade for someone. The first thing I'm doing is to see what they've done in terms of basic stats. I'm not going into their suppression metrics and whatnot right away. I want to know what they've done at a high level, I guess. Um, yeah. It all depends on what you look for, right? Like, for me, it, I really enjoy the drama of hockey. I, I, I care less about the analytics, um, even though I have an analytic background. Um, I love the the Battle of Alberta's. I love the the highlight reel goals. I love the 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 hatred and the animosity between players and teams. That's what draws me into it. It's I look at it more of an entertainment standpoint. Um, but I have no, nothing against the advanced uh, stats community. Uh, K Waz says, "What's up, my dudes? How's life?" No, seriously. Uh, life's good. Busy, um, but good. I think. Days like today are kind of nuts, but it's one that's a th- kind of a thrill for us. This is like this is the most fun we've had all year. It's a busy day. Yeah, certainly the brain is working hard. Yeah, on days like this, so it will be nice to <laughs> do anything but. Uh, yeah, life's good as you can see with Brad running out, which he almost never does on an episode. Things are kind of haywire right now, but it's about that time that's of year. That's what happens when your daughter's a social media influencer. Uh, now to hockey, which bubble teams will find a way into the playoffs? Toronto. Toronto. Toronto's my real answer. Um, Carolina as well. And outside shot for Columbus. Um, in the West, I think anyone who's in is in, including Arizona. Um, I don't think Winnipeg makes it, but it's all really a toss-up. Well, it's hard to say. When, uh, the West, yeah, it's a toss-up. In, in the West. Any, the margins are thin, but anybody could squeak in, it feels like. Uh, Austin Heuser says, Gents, seems like Mika is now the biggest celeb the show has had. So cool for her and so awesome of Athens to meet with her. No matter what happens at the deadline, that move will have me rooting for him for a long time. No question today, but let's hope if a deal did go down, Stevie flees someone. Let's go Red Wings. He did not. Uh, Brian says, hey guys, I'm a new patron and glad to be here. Uh, welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for your support and welcome to the Dub Dub family. Uh, started listening to the podcast early last year and I have not missed an episode since. Uh, my question is, assuming Athens CU is traded, which he was, what's everyone's favorite memory of him as a Red Wing uh, if he is still with the Wings after the deadline? Thank God. Uh, Sorry, what was the question? I actually just completely zoned out. <laughs> favorite uh, memory of Athens CU? Um... Didn't he have that one goal and like basically end to end, yeah, behind the net all the way down against Pittsburgh? Was yeah, it was Pittsburgh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was January of 2017. The fact I can remember that far back is astounding. I thought it was Calgary, but no, you were right. It was Pittsburgh, and it was a gorgeous goal. It's three three in the third period. I'm watching it right now. Anthony Sue picks it up legitimately behind his own net, flashes a speed, goes around literally every player and goes bar down. It was probably the nicest goal he scored in his career and easily, um, I think, most people's favorite memory. If you want something different, scoring 30 goals last year. Yeah. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, I'm in before any trades have happened, so I figured I'd ask. If you could choose anyone even vaguely related to the ho- to hockey to be the Wings emergency goalie for a period, who would you choose? Can't take anyone who's already appeared in the game. I want to save Dave Coulier, but the guy's famous enough already. 
Um, also, it'd be neat to pick a random fan to show just how insanely difficult it is to actually stop pucks in the NHL. Roll four lines, boys. Let's go, Red Wings. Um, Stopping the pucks isn't even the most difficult part of being a goalie. The footwork is 100% the most difficult part. I think uh, Jeff Daniels is his name. I always forget this actor's name, but I love him, or I shouldn't be forgetting his name. Uh, the guy from the newsroom. Yeah, Jeff Daniels. He's a huge Red Wings fan. Uh, also, uh, Kristen Bell is a huge Red Wings fan, so I think either one of those would be hilarious. Uh, Bama Wings fan says, first off, love the podcast and keep up the good work. I hear you get asked what your favorite jerseys other than the obvious ones. Um, but my question is, what is your top five most hated jerseys in the NHL? Um, and what's your... Uh, and also, what is your number one non-NHL most hated and loved jerseys? Oh, that's tough. Um, what? So we're thinking of the top or our top five hated jerseys in the NHL. Oh, uh, do you have that chart from when we did the rankings? Oh no, but I have this guy. Uh, Anaheim's is up there. Uh, what was the one where they messed up the color? The Anaheim oh, jersey. The third jersey with like the it's, not eggplant. Did, did they do black instead of eggplant? Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be up there. I uh, hate the Jets word mark. Oh, that blue, that baby blue one that says Jets in like cursive. Yes. Yep. That, that one's bad. Uh, which one has piping? Someone is still obsessed with piping and I can't stand it. I want to say it's a Columbus. Mm, I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, what else? Yeah. It's hard to think of off the top of your head. Um, honestly, the all-star jerseys I thought were really disappointing. Um, Ottawa not doing the Ottawa's logo. That's like their current, like 3d senators abysmal. And Hmm. I don't know. I think jerseys have gotten substantially better. I think Canes is stupid, but I don't know if I'd put it bottom five. It might Anaheim might actually have three jerseys that qualify. <laughs> uh, favorite non NHL jersey, Sweden's Olympic jerseys. Yeah, those are nice. And worst, I mean, you just have to go to any minor league. They the Toronto them. FC red jerseys are typically very, very nice. Yeah, they're very on the same vein as Liverpool, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Dead Panda Society says, hey, hi, guys. Thank you for checking out my tattoo and liking it. I should say if any viewer wants to see it, my Twitter is at known uh, as Panda with an H. Don't forget the H at the end. It's a dope tattoo. That I said, why did he get a tattoo of himself on his arm? <laughs> uh, but I listen every day at work, so this is an amazing podcast. So what's everyone's favorite hockey memorabilia? Mine is a Red Wings Monopoly board signed by a lot of legends and some of the team. Chalios, Datsuk, Larkin, and much more. Uh, also, Green was treated. He certainly was. Uh, favorite memorabilia. Mine's hanging on the wall in the wheelhouse, which is the name of our studio, which we have to start using more. My buddies just got it for me. It's a uh, signed Datsuk jersey. I don't really have that much memorabilia. I've got a signed Lidstrom retirement banner. There's only 200 of those. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I have a picture with Joe Thornton when he was a rookie in the NHL. I was in grade five. <laughs> I think that was when he was still with Boston. Just your average Teach says, no question, just so happy for Brad and his family. I guess this is the one time having kids worked out. Let's go, Red Wings. Stay fresh cheese bags. We are all Terry. Uh, Don Mitchell says, who else uh, was up way too late in case of a trade? Yep, been there. 
Uh, I'm going to assume you guys have discussed and hypothesized so many hypothetical traits. So I'll ask about the draft. Connolly, Nemesnikov, uh, Cuckoo, Vasilevsky, Druan, D'Angelo, Brett Howden, Callan Foot, and Nolan Foot. Those are the first round picks that GM Steve Eisenman made during his tenure in Tampa. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the picks with Eisenman, who is now the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, taking Cider way off the board. That's par for course, and with early returns being positive and the future with Mo looking so good. I refuse to blindly agree uh, with decisions made by Steve based solely on who he is and um, him being back. And let's face it, some of those first round picks were just flat out bad. If we finish 31st and if we inevitably pick sixth again, joke, uh, what would be the best off the board pick? Uh... Um, I think the best off the board pick if they pick four is like a Drysdale, a Rossi, a, a Lundell, maybe. Like, you don't want to go too off the board there. I talking, elaborate. I've got one. I just can't remember what team he plays for. You, you have like your top, however many, with Lafreniere being one, Byfield two, and then you have Stutzla, and then you have Lucas Raymond, and then probably you get into your Marco Rossi's and stuff. But if you get into like an Askarov, I'm not sure that would be that great. Uh, and what do we think about Steve's track record in his first round picks? Um, that was the one thing we called out as soon as as one of the eh things. Yeah. Was his first round selection history. He's still a new GM. There's still lots of time to learn. And there's still some good players he made. He picked. Yep. And, you know, Brett Connolly may have not been a good pick, but he's uh, is he still in the NHL or he, had, he is. played a long time. He's around. So, you know, you still got serviceable years out of your first round pick, which a lot of teams don't have sometimes. Um, uh, my off the board pick, which is really off the board. Um, at pick four. At pick four, the highest this player is even ranked by hockeyprospect.com is 11th. Who's this? Jack Quinn of the Ottawa 67s. Oh, that's way too off the board for me. Um, he's played 55 games for Ottawa this year, has 46 goals. Um, and by all accounts, he can. he's just an absolute pure goal scorer. And for a team that has no goal scoring, um, that would be very, very off the board. More so a pick I would like to take in the move up into the late 20s or get him in the very start of the second round but that's someone i've had my eye on uh recently um thank you again for what i'll assume is a great episode bless your face and if you sneeze during this episode bless you cheers don p.s thanks for the love of my hashtag oh fuck we lost terry shirt that my friend robin made that was amazing i can't wait for next episode because there's so much good like just meta content that came out this week that we have to talk about we could have easily done two episodes from the span of the when did we do the last one thursday yeah if we did an episode either Saturday after the Leafs game or first thing Sunday morning, we could have had two full-length episodes. 100%. No problem. When Brad had one kid, this probably would have been a two-and-a-half-hour episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt McKay says, good day, boys. Went to the Calgary game last night and have to say I'm sick of watching the dump and chase that Blash seems to think works. Uh, do you guys think that we do the dump and chase because of the lack of skill on the team, or is it because um, the coaches actually think it works? Thanks for all you do and hope you all have a good week. P.S. I totally saw Brad on the Jumbotron last night. I was super geeked about it. Hope you had a fun time at the game. Cheers, Matt. Um, it's the lack of skill. We have no skill, but we also have no puck retrieval skill. So, I mean, but we can't carry the puck in because of lack of said skill. Yeah. It's easy to dump the puck in. It's hard to carry it in and it's hard to retrieve it. So yeah, the Detroit Red Wings, everyone. Yeah. Arjun Shanker says, I really don't understand why we'd get rid of Athens. CU. I don't understand why picks or a question mark of a prospect would be better than hanging on to him. Honestly, I think it's a fair argument. 
I, th- I fully agree with that. Like it's your assess your assessment differs than the assessment of uh, the organization. And honestly, like if if you put a gun in my head, mine differs as well. Like I land there, I would have rather have kept him than the return that they got. But if you're the GM and you think that he's not in your long term plans, and you think he- they already would have talked preliminary contract, and if Eisenman's are was getting any sort of grief. He knows Athanasiu is worth something at the trade deadline. So he could have just been like, you know what? This isn't worth it. Yeah. He wasn't even really part of our long-term plan. Off he goes. Um, and by the way, guys, the Eisenman press conference had some more stuff about like the future captain. He said they want to name a captain by next season and uh, stuff on Blashill. And we will be talking about that on Thursday. Uh, so don't worry too much. Uh, Philip Gastineau says, I hope you guys are all doing well. And that by that, the team you are reading this by the time you're reading this, we've made some trades scenario. The gold plan was in place this year. What trades would you have made that other teams uh, made to make a run for Lafreniere example, Nemesnikov for a fourth. You would aim for the low, the you, low, what, what's low the cost guys. Low, yeah. Cost. That was the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> the low cost guys who could be, you're looking for competent bums. You don't trade Athanasiu in this case. You don't, you maybe even hang on to green, although, yeah, well. Um, also, it's a difficult question because the team wouldn't be made up as it is now if the goal plan was in place. Eisenman would not have let the team be this bad coming to this season. I don't, yeah, like, I don't know if, it would have been tough to get even better, right? Because you got to still move contracts to fit yeah. competent bums on your roster. And yeah, the whole makeup that, with the team would be completely different. Uh, Dustin Sneath says, Hey guys, I'm only a casual draft watcher. I know what's uh, up with the upcoming draft, but I have no way to quantify the value of a 2021 or 22 pick when people discuss them as possible gets at the deadline. How do the future classes look at this point with an obvious understanding that it can all change a lot in two years? And does the risk versus reward really go in our favor as compared to picking up a known quantity with an immediate impact? When you're talking about that, like I think an immediate impact is always nice because you get two things one an immediate impact and two a guarantee of it's tangible yeah you have it you see it and you know it you know that's a player so that's always going to be worth it should be worth more than a draft pick uh the situation you have to look at is what's your team's ability to maximize the value of that player detroit right now doesn't want a 28 year old who is at his peak right now because by the time that they can make most use of his game that guy's going to be andreas athanasiu he's going to be on his decline well athanasiu is young but the window Detroit's looking at, he, <laughs> he won't be way. young. <laughs> um, when you look at 2021, 2022, first of all, I want to say that this year's draft is extremely strong or it's projected to be um, with the qualifier that everyone's just making their best guess. I can't speak to 2022 or 2021 too in depth. I think that's more Brad's specialty. I don't think they're particularly weak years, but I will say that this year is stronger. Um, and when you're looking at future draft picks, the more immediate ones are better unless you know for a fact that you don't want anything. You're coming closer to realization. So obviously you have we better would think this draft is better than the next because we have more information on those players who are draft eligible. And there's a lot of bias that plays into that. So it's, it's kind of hard to project. I really don't, I don't want to say that people can't project it because there's pros who are better than us at this. I just don't put a lot of stock into when people say 2022 is the the draft to tank for not 2021. Like it's kind of difficult. I mean, we've been hearing about Alexis Lafreniere for a long time. He's got that Sydney, Sydney Crosby effect where we heard about him when he was eight. Yeah. 
Um, but when I watched, I've watched a ton of OHL games, and I've seen some good draft eligible players, and they'll be ranked like fourth round, late third round, and I'm and I'm wondering, and I'm thinking these guys are so good already. So I'm thinking this draft's going to be quite good. And because we have a lot of information on it, we can say yeah. that it realistically is projecting to be. Quite and it's good. always so hard to like think about a, a year out. Like some yeah. of those kids are still 16 years old. Like you just don't know what they are yet. Uh, Evan Beckner says, gentlemen, Ottawa scares the crap out of me. As of writing this, they have nine picks in the first three rounds, two of those being top 15 overall picks. Uh, seems as though they're going to be in direct competition to the Red Wings for the foreseeable future, and honestly, they have a better team already. Is it right to be concerned about the Senators robbing Detroit of our rebuild, or does their garbage pile of an owner balance the scales? Are Senators fans happy or sad right now? You are right to be concerned, and Senators fans are happy for the first time in a while. Oh yeah, Ottawa's done this like very graceful walk this year where they've been bad but not like absolute dumpster fire and they could still win the draft. <laughs> uh post Athanasiu trade edit, maybe he could have got more, but the truth is Eisenman didn't see Athanasiu as part of the future. He has to tear down what Holland built before he can build his team. Trust the Eiser plan. Jacob Charlip says, so now that Mika is our resident celebrity, will be she will she be attending fan meetups? In all seriousness, though, I think we all realize the issues with the current playoff format. If you could remake it any way you'd like, how would you format it? And what would be your dream Stanley Cup final matchup for the 2025 Red Wings? One to eight and one to three let's say pick who they want to play oh, in yeah. each conference oh yeah because the boston bruins are taking the leafs every, every single time. year i and marshan's announcing for. it every time yeah or david Ayers. <laughs> he's they one day contract for boston um i think one through eight top um top two division or top three division leaders i say if you want like get their spot so pretty much the old system i do like the pick the top three seeds pick their uh opponents thing but i guess it's if that's too crazy i'd be willing to let go of that that's way too crazy it'll never happen it's way too entertaining it's not possible i really miss one through eight and i hate bracket play i I think it's i hate the forced rivalries yeah the Oh, uh, Toronto, Tampa, big rivalry. I can't wait to see that. No, I don't want to see that at all. Uh, dream matchup is always Detroit, Colorado. Yeah. East versus West is Detroit, Colorado. Benji says, well, that was dumb. An offer sheet would have gotten a bigger return for Athens to you. Don't sell RFAs when their value is at an all-time low. Let's go get drunk somewhere. How about in Vegas next year when the wings go there? Also, sorry that Brad has to break this news to Mika. Peace. I would love to go to Vegas. I would die. Um, Curtis LaPrize says, hello, Dub Dub, brand new sponsor here. Curtis, welcome. Name level sponsored. Thank you for your support of the Winged Wheel podcast and welcome to the family. This has been listening on and off uh, since about this time last year. Wish I could say I was one of the originals, but sadly, that's not the case. That, that's perfectly okay. We want more people to listen to the show. So if you're a new fan or an old fan, uh, legitimately, it's we love you all the same and we can't say thank you enough for tuning This in. season is... This team is hard to watch. The more of us that can struggle together, the better. The better it is. Solidarity. I uh, love what you guys are doing, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Now onto the hockey talk. Is it me, or has this trade deadline and season as a whole been just crazy? Lots of moves to the deadline, the Kovalchuk drama, the Battle of Alberta, all the revelations about coaches and firings, even a GM being fired. Wowza. It has been an insane year. This has been one of the best years for the NHL in terms of drama, entertainment, yeah. in a long time. Uh, I do have one question, and that's been on my mind for a while. Detroit is in serious lack of a true superstar. If we miss out on first overall, 
Um, if, if we miss out on first overall, because let's face it, that's going to Ottawa. Can we realistically build a multi-cup or even cup winning team? I guess my point is it's all relevant or I think you meant to say relative, right? Yes, we're getting high picks and talented players, but we're not getting superstars or game-breaking talent like a McDavid, Matthews, Heischer, Svechnikov, Andre, the talented one. Adolin, so to end on a depressing note, are we doomed to be a decent but not great hockey team for years to come? So here's the thing. You're right in that a superstar in general is needed to be a cup contender. Um, the Red Wings have the privilege of being a blank slate right now. If they don't get Lafreniere this year they're also going to be a lottery team next year likely and if they suck next year hard enough too it might even be the year after you think about when teams like carolina moved up like 11 spots to get sveshnikov you need uh, there is an aspect of luck there's it's the arguably the biggest factor it's it's contrived Look at chicago they got kirby dock last year it's garb it's it's contrived contrived and it's garbage i hate the lottery but it's built in so luck is a factor and even if the lottery wasn't there you still have to be lucky to to hit on these players it's not the only way to get a superstar you can get superstars elsewhere although it's i don't think that's something you should bank on um is it something you should be depressed about now no does eisman have a tall task in front of him yes um though eisman has a blank slate and he has time so i wouldn't be too concerned yet it is a piece that'll have to come and it's hard to visualize until it's here mind you not a lot of teams win cup plus cups without that generate let's say franchise tag player so the red wings are going to need one who's the best player in st louis tarasenko that's no slouch (laughs) no slouch but he wasn't even having a great playoff last year ryan o'reilly oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, Jordan Bennington. They had a lot of people hit at the right time. Yeah, which is not something you can't have without a superstar. Like the Red Wings in X number of years could easily come into their own. And you know, as lot with what Eiserman's doing is he's taking swings at players and controlling the cap in a in a uh, uh, conservative way. Where when this team is ready, he'll do the Rutherford. He will start to leverage the future, and he'll go big game hunting, and that's when the window begins. Uh, Cameron Brown says, do you guys think that Athanasius trade subpar value is in part because Kenny knows firsthand that he's held out before and is anticipating a hard negotiation this summer? I'm also surprised Stevie didn't weaponize the cap space that we have. Do you think he'll try to pick up some bad contracts slash picks with the draft? Uh, yeah, the cap space is still there, so we can still definitely leverage that. And that's something that I think you would look to do if you're the Red Wings GM. There's a lot of big UFAs this offseason as well. Mind you, they would have to be young and willing to even come to Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know how many people want to do right now, but um, we'll see, I guess. In terms of the the contract negotiation thing i know brad doesn't think it but he's not here to defend himself so i'm gonna say yeah i think that's part of it i think it's part of the deal and it's not been a quiet part of the athanasius story so holland knew what he was getting into and so he he could take that risk because again he's putting that guy with connor freaking mcdavid and it's ken holland yeah you don't push guys like ken holland around no he's been in the game a long time we give him flack but he's not been bad at the trades recently the past few years so yeah and you know like we said, if Eisenman doesn't see Athanasiu in the long-term plan and a tough RFA contract negotiation is something he wants to avoid, it is what it is. Um, Adam Flett says, 
well, not excited or dissatisfied. We got 10 picks to use in a good draft year. More darts isn't a bad thing. Assume you've analyzed all the trades, both wings and other teams. Now it's done. What's your lines for the rest of the season? Hope you're all well and thanks for the pods. Oh, God, the lines. Heartbeat one, heartbeat two. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha should be the first line. It won't be because they'll have to put talent elsewhere. Philpla or Gagne will be 2C. Fabry will be on the second line. You'll probably see a lot of Perlini on the second line. I don't know. It's going to be like there's no consistent lines. Madison Bowie is going to be on the first power play unit. <laughs> Christopher N's going to be <laughs> playing on the power play. Christopher N's got probably going to be the captain at this rate. The rest of the year is not going to be pretty. Um, Shea says, looking at the seat of the goaltending situation, Philip Larson was jumped to Grand Rapids this year with the hope of developing him into the goalie of the future. Plans seem to fall flat between his uh, underperformance and injuries. Uh, with only Bernie left under contract this season in net, who would you say actually is the goaltender of the future at this point? With a possible lack of a definitive answer to the question and assuming Detroit slots in at number four in the draft on a scale of one to ten, Askarov one i don't want askarov uh keith petrozelli is a having a great year jonathan bernier jonathan bernier i think is going to be there um just by the way of stopgap because i think we've now gone down enough repetition of jimmy howard that that's not going to be a healthy situation yeah, Keith Petrozelli plays for, I think, Quinnipiac is the way you pronounce it. Um, he was player of the week recently, he's or been, month or something. He's posted a 917, 2.11 goals against average. He's having a fantastic year. And this was Larson's first year playing pro hockey, so it's it's difficult to make the jump. And not to say he's going to rebound, but it's not completely dry there. I Just not dry enough where I'd go Askarov when there's so many other needs. I, I set my sights on other NHL teams right now. Yeah, New York. The Rangers have to figure out what they're doing with Lundqvist, Shostorkin, Shostorkin. Just it's it's awful. We'll just go with that for now. Shostorkin, Georgiev, Georgiev, and then Vancouver. Well, Shostorkin got into a car accident. Is out for two weeks. He is displaced rib or yeah. something, or non-displaced rib fracture, something yeah. wild. But long term, Leonard's going to. They have be to a figure UFA. out what they're doing. Leonard will be a UFA. Mind you, does he want to come to Detroit? He'll be paid a lot of money by someone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daddy says, good day, dud duds, as he may have figured out from three episodes ago. It was not Terry that commented, but it was me, your favorite internet menace. That will never not be funny. It is in the dud dud annals of history and YouTube forever. It also perfectly sums up where we are with the season, that a running gag of a losing listener is garnering so much airtime. Never mind all those trades in Eisenman press conference, which honestly, if you haven't covered, give it up. I have a fun tale to tell you. Uh, back in October, when the wings flew out of the gates, uh, 3-1-0, 20% of our wins, a mate of mine here made a bet with me that the wings would make the playoffs loser buys dinner i know what you're thinking what a fool right anyway i said we'd be eliminated by deadline and he doubled down on the bet so silver linings of whatever the heck this season has been is that i'm eating for free a couple of times yeah your friend's an idiot and you're brilliant yep uh if you're upset with any of these trades just remember your supposed cup contender of a team didn't lose to zamboni driver of your affiliate team and could very well miss the playoffs oh i won't forget that anytime soon jersey time yellow and purple kings alternates uh, Devil's Christmas Tree Alternate and Kachina. Rank them. L.A. Kachina. And then Devil's? Yeah, I, I hate that Devil's. I Kachina. love the Devil's one, and I think it still comes third, and I think it goes Kachina, L.A. Those are three sure. greats, though. Yeah. 
Chris says, hey guys, been working all day and checking my phone and it, in the end it led to some disappointment. Anyways, just wanted to chime in that we're probably the loser, but it can't be determined until we see our prospect uh, out of the second round. Since AA doesn't count, what's been the best deal in the draft outside the first two rounds by the wing since like 2012? Outside? Uh, the first two rounds? Um, oh my God. There's, this episode's gone too long. My brain is mush. I would love... Uh, Bertuzzi? Bertuzzi was second round. Ronick? Was Bertuzzi second round? Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, he, Bertuzzi was a second round pick, I believe. Um, Heronic was, yeah, fi- 58th overall. Heronic was also a second or first round pick. He was a first round pick? No, sorry. He was with this extra second round pick that they got from trading their first round pick. Uh, I don't know. Do they even have a steal? I don't know if they have a steal. Well, we have no one good on our team currently, so that might tell you something. Oh my god, they actually don't have a steal. Am I being crazy? Is the answer to this like Timashov or something? I don't know. When was Timashov drafted? That's a great question. When was Timashov drafted? Do you know, Evan? I do not. Let's. Uh, he t- played in the KHL. Does it? So does that necessarily mean he was drafted? Fifth round. I think Dimitro Timashov might there we be. There go. The that's our guy. <laughs> oh god, that's sad. Um, Building from the draft is hard and we need to be patient, but it's super hard with a dumpster fire to watch for the probably next three years. Finally, should the wings move up in the draft for the price of two second rounders? God, yeah. If you have a chance to move up from four to even two, I'd do it for two seconds. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anyone in about the 20 to 30 range you'd like to possibly move up for? Yes, there's guys who are will rate in the first round that will fall um, to that far. I already said Jack Quinn's the guy I want in the mid-20s. And when we get into more draft content, we'll cover those in detail. Sean Chavarella says, hey, guys, so based on Eisenman's comments today, he seems to be happy with Blash Hill and his performance. If the Wings do pick up the option on Blash for next year, are we going to be disappointed? As much as we all want Gallant, does he want to join a franchise with no clear timeline to win? I feel we will have Blash again next year because no one wants the job. Um, I think no one would want the job. I think Eisenman wants to tank some more, and it would depend on if Gallant um, or Lane Lambert would even want to come. If they Red Wings pass on them and they go somewhere else and they lose out on them forever, I'll be disappointed. If no one wanted to come or those guys don't get picked up elsewhere, you know what? This team is not going to be tracking to be a playoff contender next year. I don't mind another Blash Hill year. It's it's heresy. I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for that, but that's just how I feel. I watched way too much airtime of Gerard Gallant today on an unknown Canadian television network. Yeah. Um, if we don't have if we don't get him as our coach, I'm disappointed he is such a likable guy and is such a smart hockey mind and he kept bringing up iserman playing with iserman i was like don't don't do this to my heart i I can't take any more heartbreak uh again eisman did have comments about blash hill and we will be talking more about that presser next episode uh, a couple more questions here stay with me evan stay fresh cheese bags of fournier company says food for thought if green's condition is met then the wings pick seven times in the first three rounds score stevie stevie y wants a captain named before next season score with more contracts moved out stevie left room to claim timishoff sign multi stromwell when his khl season is done and still have room to sign some college and or unsigned free agents score stevie received assets for a rapidly decreasing defense and a defensive liability who's likely to hold out again score all in all it's been a good day stay fresh cheese bags let's pop a cork of bubbly and have some brie
Jeff Lehman says, with Daly not being traded, I'd like to see, uh, think Stevie looked at him at 301 and said, I literally couldn't get anything for you. Think about that, Trev. <laughs> that said, looking forward to your analysis of who's coming late round two and who will be a replacement for Athens CU. Yeah, it's never good when you request a trade and a GM you know, puts you out there and you get nothing. I will say I'm wondering if if it was so much of a trade request if or rather than uh a trevor daly saying hey just so you know if this does make it to ufa i'll be looking elsewhere yeah it's it could he may not have been kicking down the door and being like i need out this is brutal um and we are going to head into our last question i'm sorry for reddit commenters please comment again next week in any hashtag ask wwps but we are running long so i want to wrap up here matt platt says so i've had some time to cool down and push aside my emotions and look at the athens cu trade objectively didn't want to trade him and i would have wanted a first and a prospect for him i suppose two seconds isn't horrible if he wasn't in eiserman's big picture anyways and we wouldn't have been able to sign him for a reasonable deal looking at the draft who would you like in the second round again uh any guy that we rate you know, 15 to 30, who's inevitably going to fall. Uh, we will have more names and more details for you as we are now post trade deadline. We are getting so much closer to detailed draft content. Uh, we are going to say thank you to all of you uh, for sticking with us through uh, trade deadline coverage. All of you who followed us on Twitter, if you're not already at winged wheel pod and follow all us three hosts as well, um, who are listening to the pre uh, trade deadline episode, this post trade deadline recap episode, there's going to be more to discuss from the trade deadline that we just couldn't fit in today, which will be on our midweek episode, which is coming Thursday night, provided that uh, we can wrangle Brad and, um, all of our listeners, if you're a new listener, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. If you're an old listener, thank you for tuning in. Our patrons, our name level sponsors, Terry, Curtis LaPrize, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Aaron Taylor, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam al Kassem. Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Ashley Van Conant, uh, brand new name level sponsor, Con- Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kwaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. Evan fell asleep. See what, you, where am I? See you guys on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.